Uh, James asked me to share this morning, and I'm so excited. My husband said, don't try and fill his shoes because he's so awesome. <laughs> God is so awesome in him. Uh, I wanted to share, before we open up with a word of prayer, um, when we were at a, another church a couple of years ago, there was a card that showed up in the connection basket. And, uh, oh, and my name is B.J. Hostetter, just so people who aren't here and might be streaming in know who's talking. And uh, this card, I'll read it to you. Uh, it's a connection card, so, you know, a church could follow up, you know, and call the person. And the first clue that something was going on was the card says date, and it says 500 B.C. Okay. <laughs> And then the name of the person on the card is Bruce Wayne. Okay, so I'm getting a hint that this is a young attendee, someone maybe new at church who's kind of young. Uh, date of birth, 600 BC. Oh, well, not that young. <laughs> okay, and it says uh, address Wayne Manor, city Jupiter, and then family at home, uh, Superman. Okay, I guess that would be dad, and I think it says Iron Mom. That would be me, because my son left this card. And uh, on the back, it says, my response today, I'm interested in superheroing. Pretty cool, superheroing. And um, I'm interested in joining a group. He wrote in a super, hi, guys. <laughs> oh, I didn't even have to tell you to scrunch. They asked you to scrunch, because I guess we're, we're being live streamed and but you're scrunching well. <laughs> okay, um, so it says superhero club, and then how did you hear about our, our church? From a super book. Oh, that's great, we have a super book. And uh, then it says ministries to be involved in. Superhero training. I love that. What, what does that mean under grace? If you look at Romans, if you look at Romans 8, I call that the superhero section because it says we are more than conquerors. And that word, if we look it up, is hyper nikeo. Hyper means above, beyond. And I love that. I love that. But, you know, under grace, I think, oh, I don't want to have to show up at superhero class. You know, are they going to tell me I, I'm late? <laughs> You know, or I'm not doing it right. Um, I love superhero movies where we get to see the Avengers or we see the X-Men, and, and they're, they're terrible at the beginning. You know, they're, they're, they're throwing fireballs and they're almost hitting each other. You know, does superheroing need some training? I, I was watching some superheroes this morning. They're great watching the worship team, and they don't know how great they are <laughs> because they'll finish the song and they'll go, uh, we got to do that again. We got to, you know, get it better because they're, they're practicing. They're, they want it. They know that it's Christ that's working in them, but they want to get more practiced. You know, the more we practice as superheroes, the more we're going to be able to walk out on this. You know, sometimes I'll say, God, am I missing it? I feel like an old wineskin today, but we're not. But we need to remind ourselves of that and to really see who we are in Christ. So I'm going to open with a word of prayer, and then we'll take a look at some records in, in the Word of God. Okay, and for those of you that just came in, I'm B.J. Hostetter. How did I get to be here? I blog a lot. So James read a couple of my blogs, and, and he said, why don't, you, why don't you take the class? So I'm really thankful to be here. But Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you this morning for being with us. 
I want to thank you that it's not my words, but your words that we hear this morning, that Lord, you encourage our souls, that we are your superheroes, we are your super conquerors, and that you are for us. And when we know that, when we know that, we can go into every situation of our life seeing grace and seeing you magnified in our lives and, and seeing superhero acts. I mean, that's awesome. So we thank you, God. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. In Jesus' mighty name, I thank you. Amen. All right. I love looking at Old Testament records, and I love stools also. It makes me feel taller. Um, <laughs> I love looking at Old Testament records because I look at these guys, and they didn't have Christ in them. This morning, we're going to take a look at one of God's prophets named Elisha. Elijah came first, and then when, El when Elijah was leaving this earth to go up in a whirlwind, Elisha, who had walked with him, said, don't go. <laughs> he wouldn't let Elijah out of his sight. So Elijah said, okay, we'll go to this next place. And then Elisha said, well, I'm not letting you out of my sight. Hey, Linda. <laughs> hey, Charles. Uh, Elisha wouldn't let the prophet go without asking that he ask God for a double portion. You all have more than a double portion. When we get that, when we see that, we have more than that double portion. So I love looking at these Old Testament records because I read them and I see the works that works, the works that God did in these Old Testament believers. And I say, I want to do that. Does anybody else? I, I want to do that. You know, I, I want to see things float to the top when someone drops them in a lake <laughs> without any effort on my part. Uh, because it's God that's working in us. So turn in your Bibles, um, and I've got my little cheat sheet so I don't have to thumb through the pages. Turn to 2 Kings if you want, or just listen along. And what we're after is to see, to really see that we are not what we were before. You know, and we are so much more than even, you know, the, some of these amazing prophets in the Old Testament because someone greater is in us. Okay, so in 2 Kings chapter 6, and I love looking at different translations. I love looking at the word from different uh, versions and perspectives, and some, some of the versions are based on the Vulgate, and some of them are, are based, the Old Testament is based on the Septuagint, and those are nice words, and they're complicated, and we don't always have to understand them, but sometimes I don't understand something that I'm reading or I might miss it. So if I look at it in a different version of where it's written, I get a better or greater understanding. So in the King James, in verse 6, now to give you some background, Elisha has that double portion now. And he tests it out when the prophet Elijah is swept up in the whirlwind and he saw the chariots and the fire. Okay, he, he was left there, standing there, holding the cloak of the prophet of God. You know, Elisha had always had that opportunity to turn to somebody else, but now it was up to him. And he had seen his teacher just take that cloak and, and smite the waters with it. And then he, he, you know, that's something I would do. Wouldn't you do that? I would take that cloak and see if it worked for me. Well, God, you know, if I really have that double portion, let me do this. So he does it, and the waters 
are come apart. So he's excited now, and he goes back to the school of the prophets, and they say to him, there's not enough room for us to live in this house with you. We need a bigger house. You know, right away, you know, he's got the cares of the world and, you know, the things we go through in our life. It'd be great to sit in a nonstop service like this, just hearing about all we have. But then we get out in the world and, you know, there's a job that we have to go after or there's something that we have to, in the spirit, we don't have to do anything. But in the world, we still do. So how do those two work together? I want to see practical grace. You know, how do I, how do I apply this? Okay, so they're going to cut some beams. They're going to cut some logs, and they want to see, you know, this house built. But as one was felling a beam, the axe fell into the water. And this is one of the sons of the prophets. He cries, and he says, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. I'm going to have to return this, or I'm going to have to pay for this. Um, and the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick, and he cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Okay, so how many of us feel confident that we could do that? <laughs> you know, we're out with some friends, and somebody loses their lunch in the lake. <laughs> we, we know Jesus fed the 5,000. We know that it's Christ in us. I came across a version written in the Eastern Aramaic. I actually got, was warned, you know, be careful when you read that version. So I always compare it to other versions. But listen to this in verse 6. And the prophet of God said to him, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And the, he, the prophet, cut off a stick and thrust it in there, thrust it into the river. This is still pretty amazing. The Jordan is a river, and it's flowing. And it's stuck in the hole of the axe head. Have you ever needed something like, you know, 20 sheets of paper, and you grab a clump of paper, and, and it's exactly 20 sheets? That ever happen for anybody? God uses the natural to, to do the supernatural. I love the fact that Moses had to hold up his hands. Moses didn't part the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea, but Moses did the part that he could do. We have hands. He could believe, and he could hold up his hands. To me, that takes all the complication out of it. The prophet threw in the stick, but it was God that had that stick in the midst of a flowing Jordan land right there. That is so cool. I want to do that. <laughs> okay. So we're going to read on a little bit in this record, and I'm not going to read the whole record, but summarize some of it. The army of Syria... I want to watch that clock. Okay. The army of Syria is attacking Israel. Okay, so these miracles, these miraculous signs and wonders are happening for the children of Israel. They're seeing the prophet. They're seeing that there's no reason to be upset that Elijah is not with them anymore. They know that a double portion has been given to Elisha. And Guys, we live in a world where people need to see that a more than double portion has, has been given to us. You know, we, we already know the greatness of our God, but there are people out there that don't. You know, are, are, are we willing to throw in the stick and say, okay, God, you're going to back me up? Okay, so they are in a different place than us. They still have that old man nature. We have the mind of Christ. What they did, take it up a notch. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, just in our thinking. Let's, let's take it up a notch. So the servant who is traveling with the man of God, he gets up in the morning and he says, Lord, you know, what am I going to do? You know, it, that's probably in his thinking. He's going, God, you know, the, the, the armies are surrounding us. He goes to the man of God, and the man of God prays. And we see in 2 Kings 6.16, he says, Fear not, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elijah prays. And he says, Lord, open his eyes so he can really, really see that. And that's what we're asking God for every day, that he opens our eyes. James teaches about that wine and that new wine, that we don't look at the wineskin. You know, that the servant was no longer focusing on his weakness, but on God's great strength. And his eyes are opened, and he sees chariots of fire. He sees horses and chariots. He sees the heavenly host. Uh, I think of the record of David and Goliath. You know, when, when David looked at Goliath and he said, by tomorrow I'll have your head. You defy the God of, of heaven's armies? Heaven has armies and they're, they're, they're on our side. And we have greater than heaven's armies. We have Christ inside of us. So I get excited about that. Y'all look excited? <laughs> okay, feedback's good. Okay, so the... Elijah continues to pray. He prays that their eyes are blinded, that the armies of Syria are blinded, and God answers his prayer. And Elisha leads these armies right into Samaria, right into the enemy's camp, right to the king of Israel, and the king of Israel says, what are we going to do? You know, do I kill them? And he says, no, feed them and send them back. Send them back to the king of Syria. You know, in your face, king of Syria, you know, our God is stronger. Uh, so much like what David did. Okay, so now, just after that's happened, the king of Syria is, is angry. He is angry, and it's interesting. The name of the king of Syria is Ben-Hadad. And if you look that up, it means son of the false god. That's, you know, under grace, are we still up against the sons of the false god? Sure. But, but we have a greater than Elisha here, a greater than Elijah, and, and we get to win them, you know? We, we, they, they become sons of the true god. That wasn't available back then. It was off with their heads. But today, they, it's great. We, we pray for our enemies because they become our brothers and sisters. I love that. <laughs> okay, so human nature or the old thought patterns, we don't have a human nature, but how many people here had thoughts before they knew Christ? Habits, things we sometimes go back to in our thinking. We don't want to admit them to anybody, you know, but that, and we don't have to. But, but we have them. So right after, you know, we, we've seen a, a stick, nail, an axe head, and we've seen an army subdued, by chariots of fire and horses, now Israel is going through a famine. And the king of Syria says, you know, I'll fix you. I'll, I'll come and attack you. And the city is besieged, and they are in a famine. And they're losing heart. The, in the record, it says two women had babies, and, and there's a new level of, of depravity. They've, they've killed one of the children and, and eaten them. And the woman comes to the king and says, you know, what do I do? And he says, well, I can't help you. <laughs> You know, let the Lord help you. And he, and he tears his clothes when he hears about the child, the infant. 
and, and they see sackcloth under his clothes. Now, this, this is their leader. You know, he's the king of Israel. Israel is divided at this time. We've got the northern kingdom, the ten tribes are Israel, and then we've got the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, the prophet could be asking, God, why didn't I go to the other kingdom? <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't I be part of that kingdom? It was harder to be a prophet in Israel at that time than I think in Judah because Judah had some faithful kings, but Israel, mm, not so much. <laughs> uh, okay, so this was at the time of King Joram. That was his name. And he had made an alliance with Jehoshaphat during this time, who was the king of Judah. And, you know, God, God is so in, in their problems. He's, he's ready to, to just knock the, their socks off with what he's going to do. Boy, that sounded odd. Okay, so Elisha says here, Elisha is not there presently. The king is there, and they're going through this famine, and the king sends a messenger. I wanted to share with you that sackcloth, you're probably familiar that uh, Hebrew people will put on sackcloth. Mordecai in the book of Esther uh, put on sackcloth. It, it's a mourning, it's, um, it's an act of humility, but it, it's, it's also a mourning. It's a losing of heart. You know, that, that king was losing heart. He needed encouragement. And by this time, he sends his messenger, and he says, I'm going to have the head of the prophet. That's it. I'm done. God's not going to help me. His prophet isn't helping me. I'm going I'm to take his head. And, and that's definitely the old man nature. You know, God's not going to help me. You know, I'm, I'm out here on my own. So... The messenger comes, and he brings the word of the king. Behold, this evil is from the Lord. Why should I pray to the Lord anymore? That's a place we don't have to go. Will the enemy tempt us to go there? Will the son of the false god tempt us? Sure. You know, sometimes I walk around my counter. I have this big island, and I go, God is for me. Who can be against me? And I just I look like a crazy person walking around my island. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, I, I'm pleasing the Lord. You know, he knows I'm fighting for, for who I am in Christ. And, and Grace says that that fight doesn't have to be uh, a struggle like they had in the Old Testament. The word rest, if you look at that word, yeah, it can mean ceasing from all, all activity. But one of the definitions is also a calm and patient expectation. I can walk around that island with a calm and patient expectation. And I can build that. The worship team gets up here and they practice so that they have a calm and patient expectation when they go out there. They, they're superheroes. They're training. They're learning how to hit the mark. In the Old Testament, we see all these people that missed the mark. That's sin, you know, just, just missing the mark. We know that we've been delivered from that. We don't have to miss the mark. But... We still have the world consequences that are going to try and talk us out of that. So this king of Israel is far talked out of that. And he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. So uh, then Elisha says, hear the word of the Lord. Right now, an ass's head, a donkey's head, is selling for 80 pieces of silver in Israel. That's inflation. <laughs> Things are expensive. Times aren't good. And Elijah says, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. And a shekel is, I guess, a couple of pennies, you know, the lowest form of currency or the least valuable. And two measures of barley for a shekel in the gates of Samaria. And I look at this and I go, Lord, 
do I, do I have to put down these old thoughts sometimes? And I have to say, yes, I'm, I do. I have the mind of Christ, but before I had Christ, I had stinking thinking. <laughs> And sometimes it rises up. And, and praise God that I don't have to look at the wineskin. Because if I looked at the wineskin, I'd see every crack. I'd see where it, you know, just wasn't measuring up. But I am not that wineskin. I am a new wineskin. And I can look at the wine. I can look at God. I can look at what he says. So the king's aide is not looking at God. And he said, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? The prophet, that's it. The prophet's had it with him. He says, behold, you will see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. Now, if I was in a church that I was in two years ago, you'd all be scared. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, you know, I could lose my salvation. Oh my gosh, you know, if I don't believe rightly, God is not for me. We have a net. Jesus, that can't happen. That can't happen. If, if any alarms of condemnation go off when you read a record like this, that's just the flesh or, you know, the enemy talking to you. We have a new mind. We have a new nature. That, we have a stopgap or a net. We can't fall where these guys fell because of Christ and what he finished. I mean, to me, that is grace. It's grace to know that Jesus finished it. I love talking to people that don't understand what Jesus accomplished, and they're, they're always kind of adding to it. Well, yeah, I know I have Jesus, but uh, <laughs> I need to get myself in line. I need to get my thoughts in line. We need to remember that our thoughts are in line. Our minds are in line. Our thoughts are not, but we submit our thoughts to that new mind, to, to the word, to who we know we are in Christ. So the record winds up that this aid to the king is put, uh, he, his position, he's positioned as a guard at the gates to Israel. And during the previous night, the Lord made the Syrian army hear the thunder of, of horses and, and the chariots and the armies of heaven. And they, they, they got out of there. They just ran. They left their tents. They left their cattle. They left their food. They left their provision. And it was all done. God showing up and, and showing off his greatness. They didn't have to do anything. Nothing. We run a life group. And I'm, <laughs> I just have to, you know, part of the life group is in the uh, front row. And we've got um, Randy, who used to work uh, nights. But he was going back to school. So by faith, he said, I'm going to work days. And by faith, his employer came to him and said, you know what, Randy, we're putting you on days. And, and the days have worked perfectly with his schedule. He's pushing hard. He's in school and he's working. But the Lord just, just gave it to him. It, it was a free manifestation of the gift we already have. Uh, you know, Kim sitting in the front row, she's, and I didn't plan for them to sit in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus put them there <laughs> to help me out. But Kim uh, wanted to go back to school, and it was just, you know, churning in her, in her heart to go back. But how was this all going to come together? And she had a temporary job. Today, a lot of companies are hiring temps because then they can decide whether they want you. They're, it's temp to hire. And they came to her with a job offer. And she, she had to see it. She had to look at it through the eyes of grace and see that this was going to be her provision for when she went back to school. 
and, and it's been great provision. You know, it's, it's not a forever. Sometimes God doesn't answer it in a day. You know, he'd freak us out if he did. <laughs> you know, we'd see bags of stuff dropping from heaven, like, you know, the matrix, the loading zone. But, but we've, we get to receive all that. We get to keep our, our minds in a position to receive. Uh, and I can't, I can't forget Ashley. She was working at a job, and she loved it. Uh, she was uh, doing some uh, nanny work, but she had a degree in social work. And this has all happened in about three months, I'd say. First it was Kim, then it was Randy, then it was Ashley. Waiting in calm and patient expectation, she just got taken on uh, as a temp to hire. <laughs> but we know what God's up to. And she's in her field. She's, she's going to be involved in event planning. They work with autistic children. And it, it, God has positioned her. That's what he does for us. He positioned the armies of the Syrians. He brought in the sound of hoof prints uh, or horses and, and chariots. And every word that Elisha spoke came to pass. The first century church prayed for boldness. My son hurt his wrist, and I want to get to some of the New Testament. I'm watching my, my clock. My son hurt his wrist, and you know, we've been going back and forth. He's a gymnast, and with one wrist hurt, there's not a lot of things you can do. You have to catch yourself. You have to support yourself. There's not a lot of one-handed moves that he can do. And we were doing all the right things, and in the process, a couple of other kids hurt their wrists, but they got better. And that was really annoying to me <laughs> that, you know, they, some of them will confess unbelief, but they got better. And, and I looked at that as like a thorn, <laughs> you know, that I had to, you know, kind of explain to my son, well, you're getting better too. And we went to the chiropractor, he's icing his wrist. And then last week I, I, I said to him, you know what, I, I'm just going to be bold. I'm just going to say we're, it's already healed two days two days you're going to see that manifestation. And I thought, gosh, my son's going to think I'm a nut. <laughs> you know? Or worse, he's going to think God doesn't come through. You know, how many times do we want to just say, it's happened, it's already happened. But, but I know I hold back a little bit. You know, do I want to look like a fool? Do I want, do I want to make God look bad? So two days. He went to gym that day, and it gave him the confidence to try one new skill. I said, you know, go back. It wasn't a new skill, but it was a skill he was not able to do. All he could do was high bar. I am confident that because of those seven weeks that he really couldn't practice anything but high bar, he's the high bar champ this year. <laughs> he will probably take the regional high bar award by faith. But two days, and, and kids have, you know, Jesus said, you know, you're, you know, he, he used little children to compare, you know, the kind of faith he wants us to have. We're always his kids. So he went and he did rings. I said, he, he went up on those rings where you do like an iron cross. He's, he's not there yet. He's a little young. He's 14. But he did it, and there was no pain. God backed us up. The next day, it was Friday, and he did every routine that they worked on, and there was absolutely no pain. That's the kind of testimony that that kid is going to grow up with. No one's going to talk him out of that testimony. He's going to go to college, and he's going to learn about evolution, and this bang, and that bang. And you know what? He knows. He's going to look at his hand and, and see the Lord, and he's going to see that testimony. And 
I'm not going to tell you that, you know, don't come to me if, if you're that bold and it doesn't happen. It will happen because it's God. It's God who we magnify. It's God who Elisha was magnifying. But superheroes need training. The worship team doesn't come in here and, and, and just not practice. You know, if I'm going to learn how to throw a fiery uh, fireball, you know, if that's my power, or I don't know, who's your favorite superhero? We're in a church with Thor. No, <laughs> Ryan Fry. So I, I have to say Thor's coming out on November 7th. We're getting our tickets. It's a 9 o'clock show, and I want to go with Ryan <laughs> because I want to sit next to Thor. Um, if you don't know Ryan, he, um, he, he goes to movie premieres and, uh, you know, puts on his Thor. He, he looks like Thor. When we came here, we knew we were in the right place. We had my son's card, and we had Thor. Uh, <laughs> Elisha was a valiant superhero for God. But how, how do I do that? You know, how, how do I do that? You know, what if it doesn't, what if it doesn't happen? Okay, so I'm going to, James would like this, I think, because it sounds cool. <laughs> Everybody say, think the thoughts of God after him. Can you say that? Think the thoughts of God after him. The word actually tells us to do that. Did you know that? Hey, John. Hi, Kathleen. <laughs> You're back. <laughs> okay. Uh, Proverbs 14, 32 uh, I don't know what versions you have. I went to the King James. I often go to the King James because I can look up words. James Strong, no relation to King James, did an amazing work. He indexed and defined, according to biblical usage, every word in the Old Testament and the New. So I go back to King James, not because I think it's the best, but because I can study, and I, I don't know Hebrew and Greek yet. <laughs> working on Hebrew. Here's the verse in King James. The wicked is banished in his wickedness, but the righteous has refuge in his death. And I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to be encouraged in that verse? <laughs> uh, I'm reaching, God. How am I going to be encouraged? Well, one, grace says we're not the wicked. We can read the Old Testament and know that it's not written to us. It's written for our learning. That's not us. That was while they were looking forward to a Messiah, but we have Jesus. The finished work was our dividing line. When he went to the cross, even the gospels and the things that they did were pre-finished work. We're living after the finished work. We're what's added. We get to live it. The righteous has a refuge in his death. I, I know I'm going to glory, but, you know, I don't think any of us are lining up going, take me first, you know. We, we kind of like it here. You know, there's, there's, there's st cool stuff we get to do here. In the Eastern Aramaic, which is what a lot of, uh, well, Aramaic is the language of the day that they spoke in during the days when Jesus had his earthly ministry. And some folks have gone back and they have actually translated from the Aramaic scrolls. There's debate over it. So, you know, we don't, we don't read alone. We read with the mind of Christ. We can ask questions. We can research things. The wicked is overthrown through his wickedness. But he who is confident that he is without sin is a righteous man. That's not a threat. That's not a you have to. That is a picture of what was coming. 
We who know we are without sin, that Jesus paid all our sins. If you were a lawyer or you worked in a courtroom, you would know that you cannot be tried again for the same crime. You can't be tried for your sin because Jesus was punished for, for our sin. So we, for me, the work that Jesus does in me is helping me to keep seeing greater and greater who I am, who I already am. Uh, we heard teachings in, in service from James and from Pastor Clark, you know, that, that the real us is, is already there. You know, but, and do we have an old mind? Bill and I had this conversation. No, we don't. We have a new mind. We have a new nature. If we look at Romans 6, it says, we know that our old selves are crucified in 6, 6 and 7 with him so that the sinful body might be destroyed, that we from now on should not serve sin, for he who is dead is freed from sin. We died and we rose again. That's what the baptism represents, that we are new in Christ. But Romans 6.11 says, likewise, and Paul uses the word must in this version, you must consider yourself or you get to consider yourself as dead to sin. That word consider is great. In King James, it's reckon. Uh, some other ways it can be translated are to, to determine, to purpose, to purpose in your heart that you're dead to sin. Now, Paul never said the enemy was, was gone, that, that we don't live in this world, that you know the phone can't ring and something you didn't expect shows up on your doorstep, but it, it, can, it can be a complete turnaround because we reckon that we are, we're, we're dead to that sin, and the word is a little gitsamai. Um, I talked to someone yesterday, and she said, I've been praying that God would just make me obedient. <laughs> that would be a gray spot. Do you like that? We could be gray spots, <laughs> like robots, you know, just, you know, forced to think the right things. But God didn't want robots. If he had robots, we'd never gotten in trouble. We'd still be in that garden. We'd need an oil can, you know, <laughs> we'd be robotic. But we, we wouldn't, you know, have free will. We still have free will. You know, we, we still see, you know, we still, believers still go to hospitals, you know. But then they walk out. There are amazing testimonies, you know, when people have just said, I will not accept that diagnosis. I will not accept that word. I know who I am in Christ. They have considered, reckoned themselves dead to sin, that, that sin is not going to have its effect. We're not going to be here forever, but who knows how long we're going to be here. You know, I'm going for 120. <laughs> and I will never tell people how old I am. Because <laughs> I'll look 40 or 50 or something. Okay. So I want to think the thoughts of God after him. How many, well, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I, I, Clark wrote a book called Pure Grace, and he goes over a chapter called Rats in the Maze. And we're going to wrap up here. But in that chapter, he goes to the word metanoia, which actually means repent. And I love how, you know, these people who, you know, God's mad at you, you have to do right, you know, it's, it's you know, you can't think like that, think like this, and, and it's all about have to and not get to. They have taken that word repent, and they have uh, owned it. 
and, and the mind picture I get is, is the monk, you know, on the floor, whipping himself. You know, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. I'm going to do something different. But that repent is actually uh, a word that means to confess, to confess the things that God says, to confess as he confesses. It's made up of two root words, and we're going to close here. The first word is meta, behind, after, to, to come behind or after someone else. Uh, in the um, Gospels or in the Old Testament, or if you read some of the Messianic records, they'll explain that uh, students walked after their rabbi. They walked in his dust or after him. Uh, ground was dusty, and so they would walk in the dust of their rabbi. Our rabbi is, is, is Jesus. <laughs> you know, we, we want to think the thoughts that he thinks about us, the thoughts the Father thinks about us. The second word is noea, noia. Uh, it means to, let me look at it. I want to look at it so I don't tell it to you wrong. Okay, my pages are sticking together, and I'm looking at the clock. Okay, so it's meta to think after or behind, and it's noia is to think the thoughts that God thinks about us what we think of, what, you know, what we think of in our mind, to perceive with the mind, to understand, to have understanding, to think upon. We get to think the things God thinks of us. Paul said, think on these things. Consider these things. Don't look at, you know, everything going on around you, but think on those things that are lovely, those things that are just, those things that are true. We get to do that. You know, if uh, we have a challenge, you know, we, we get to say, you know, my mountains are going to move. You know, oh, Jesus spoke to the fig tree. Well, you have Christ in you. We can speak to the fig trees also. I, I'm a word kid. You know, I, th I think of Jesus as my coach, and this is my playbook. <laughs> and, and I go to the playbook to see, you know, who I am. You know, to, to, I get fed with so many other things. So I want to encourage you to think the thoughts that God thinks about you. Because that, that's doing the things that are pleasing to him. That, that's the grace, that we're not looking at the wineskin. We're not looking at ourselves. I don't know how tall Elijah was. You know, I, I don't know how, what Gideon looked like. We don't even have pictures of what the Lord looked like. You know, but we know what we looked like. And we look like him, you know, and, and we're encouraged to think on the thoughts that God says. You know, I say, you know, I'm not more than a conqueror. I don't feel like more than a conqueror. Well, that's not what God says. He says you are more than a conqueror. He says that when he's for you, no one can be against you. I know this is kind of basic stuff, but you know what? The best coaches teach the basics. We go back to the basics. The worship team goes back to the basics when they, they put together the music. So I want to leave you with that. You know, think the thoughts that God thinks of you. And when challenges come up, that's practical grace. I'm going to grab on to what Jesus looked like, and that's me. So I want to close in prayer. I want to thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity you know, to share, and I want to thank God for that. So Heavenly Father, I thank you that when we look at Jesus, we see that he is in us. We see that we are like him as he is in this world. So are we. That when the circumstances or consequences of life try and talk us out of it, we see greater he that is in us than he 
that is in the world, that we can put on those, the mind, we have the mind of Christ, but we can put on that new man in our thinking patterns, that we don't have to go back to what we were because we're not made of the same substance. We're a new lump. We are not the old leavened lump. We are a new lump in Christ, new in him. And I thank you, Father, for everyone here today, everyone who's listening, that, that we're encouraged. We're encouraged by you, Lord, that you are the one who is, is for us. And we have your grace. We can never walk out of that. So I thank you, Lord, for, for just continuing to, to grow that awareness in us that you are for us and that you are working in us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.